0: Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 925, air date April 4th, 2021. Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayodhure. I hope everyone's having a happy Easter uh, with you and your uh, loved ones and your family. Um, To me, uh, this day is a very, very uh, powerful day. I've always had some great experiences on this day in a a very deep uh, spiritual way. Um, which uh, I'm sure many of you have also experienced. But I wanted to take today as an opportunity to reflect on the things leading up to the resurrection of Christ. From what we have in the known text, you know, it's very, very hard from a historical sense. People argue all day. But I think um, some of the important events that took place, particularly the temple cleansing, is something that I'd like to reflect upon today. So we'll wait until people join. Uh, We have people coming in from all over the country. Um, For for that matter, all over the world, let's see people coming in uh, over here on, let's see. People coming in, let's see. I think it's a little bit dark here. Let's see if I can, yeah. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. Okay, so um, uh, happy Easter from Southern Florida. Good people joining. California. Great. So let me, um, as people are coming in, uh, let me just sort of set the tone for this and why I think it's important. Um, Obviously, uh, I don't want to get into any type of deep religious discussion here, but I want to just look at some of the important events, the event particularly of the temple cleansing that occurred. And what we're going to find is when we look at the events that occurred, you're going to find something fascinating. That's what we want to focus on. The more interesting thing that I've been very fascinated by in the life of Christ is, you know, I grew up um, as a Hindu in India, but Hinduism is a very interesting religion. Hinduism actually believes God exists in everything, in everything. And in fact, the Hindu religion believes that, you know, uh, uh, that God sends his sons at different points in life. Um, so when I was growing up, my grandmother had all the great deities, including Christ. So uh, in the Hindu religion, we recognize Christ as the uh, son of God. But what's interesting is that I grew up, my parents uh, were in many ways not really that religious. So I grew up, I uh, went to Catholic school in India, and we moved here to the United States. Uh, my parents believed God was everywhere, and they um, were absolutely fine uh, me going to any uh, of the, any of the Christian denominations. So I've i uh, been fascinated with the life of Christ and try to read as much as I could. And uh, what I want to talk about, one of the scenes in the Bible is the temple cleansing. What I've been fascinated by is whenever I bring this up to, you know, uh, people in the religious hierarchy, they didn't seem really that interested in discussing this. And to me, it's one of the most profound events because it literally occurs, um, you know, about a week or less than a week before the uh, crucifixion of christ shortly there uh, in fact days i would probably say uh, three to five days is when, when we look at the timeline obviously there's all different types of historical scholars who argue the exact date but when you look at the sequence of events it's interesting to understand so i put together a presentation that hopefully we can all follow that will help sort of understand this and we also want to put it in the context of the pharisees and the sadducees of the time if you remember these were the uh, leaders of the uh, temples, the Sadducees, the chief priests, and the Pharisees were the leaders of the local synagogues throughout the villages. In some ways they had two different markets and they were the existing uh, establishment, which worked very closely with the Romans. So if you think about what we've been talking about, you have the obvious establishment of the times, which was the Romans, but in many ways, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were part of the not so obvious establishment. They were essentially supporting uh, the Romans in many ways against their own people. So let's just uh, let me just sort of go over to this and let's review this. So um, there's various pictures. And this is a picture that I mean, when you look out there, you can Google this and you can find this. But this is uh, one of the most profound pictures uh, of, of of Christ whipping um, the people out there. Let me see. Everyone's OK here got I think I got to reduce this a little bit. OK, I think that's better. OK. All right. So um, and again, what you see in this picture is you see the doves flying. And we'll talk about that. You see the uh, whip of uh, uh, cords here and you see the cattle here. You see the money changers here and you see behind um, Christ here uh, or the depiction of Christ are the uh, people selling doves. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and I'll come back to this, but one of the important things to recognize is that the temples had become a place of commerce and exchange, almost like, I hate to say it, like a mall. Um, And you had, uh, particularly the temple in Jerusalem was uh, owned by a family who controlled the trade in that temple, uh, particularly the exchange of monies and the selling of sacrificial animals. And this is what actually perturbed Christ. But there were two things that really perturbed. him. one was a money changing that was going on. There was a place where people exchange uh, for Greek and Roman currency. They would uh, convert it to Jewish or it was known as Tyrian shekels. We'll come back to that. So that bothered him. And the fact that um, the uh, purchasing of sacrificial animals, the tradition was that you were supposed to bring your animal um, and more importantly, you know, to be sacrificed for some thing that you wanted uh, from God. But the inside the temples, what had occurred was that they were selling doves because most poor people couldn't afford, uh, you know, larger animals. But more interesting enough, the doves that were sold in the, uh, you know, in the, in the walls of the in, within the walls of the temple were 15 times more than what you'd had to buy outside. So there's a, essentially a racket going on. And this obviously troubled Christ deeply uh, perturbed him. So let's go over to this and let's look at this. So uh, first of all, let's look at the, what you would, let's say, call the affidavits of John, uh, Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, in, when you, if, you, if you sort of study this, what you'll find is, and, um, and by the way, I'm no means a biblical scholar. I do not want to represent one as me as one, but there's a, you know, the gospel of John, but then there's what's called the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they're really separated. Um, John, as you'll understand, was one of the earliest disciples of Christ. And he followed him from the beginning of his ministry. The others were not early disciples. So when you look at the affidavit, so if you go look at that particular scene, the temple cleansing scene, let's actually go look at what's going on here. So um, this is from John and, you know, uh, uh, you know, verse two, but the sentence is 13-16. And in verse 13, uh, or sentence 13, John says, he also poured out the money and turned over the table. This is when Christ uh, went into the temple. And he said, in line 14, it says, in the temple, he found those who were selling, he said this, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons. And the money changers sitting there. Line 15 says, and making a whip of cords, He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And line 16 said, and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. So that's from John's verse two, you know, lines 13 through 16. And that's what John reported. The synoptic gospels, which are from Matthew, Mark and Luke, uh, also have their witness of uh, this event of the cleansing. And that's Matthew 21. Again, um, let's go to verse, t- uh, line 10, it says, and this is from Matthew, and when he turned, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, quote, who is this? Line 11 said, and the crowd say, quote, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Line 12 said, and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those uh, who sold pigeons. 13 says, he said to them, quote, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And he was quoting it, assumed from the Old Testament, but you make it a den of robbers. And some people have used the word thieves, etc. And line 14 says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. So apparently in this account, after... After uh, in this account, after Christ, you know, turned over the tables and all this, then he also healed people. So it's a little bit different than John's account. All right. So let's go back Uh, back here. So. um, And uh, yes, so after all of this, uh, the lame came to him and, and he healed them and then it continues. In line 15, it says, "And but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and they said to him, do you hear what what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, I I have, uh, yes, I have. You never read out of the mouth of infants, oops, and nursing babies, uh, you have prepared praise and said and leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany lodge So that's from Matthew. And for Mark, from verse 11, it says, and they, uh, and they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast them out, cast them that sold and bought into the temple and through the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Line 16 says, And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. 17 says, And he taught, saying unto them, quote, is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. So very similar. And then continues um, into line 18, it says, and the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and they sought a way to destroy him. For they feared him because all the multitude was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. And then in Luke, again, this is the account of Luke from the synoptics, Luke uh, said, uh, in verse 19, he says, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold 40 line 46 saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer and you've made it a den of robbers. And then verse line 47 said, and he was teaching daily in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. All right. So what was going on here was the money changers were. Uh, Exchange Roman Greek currency for shekels in the temple. That's one thing that upset Christ. The second things that doves uh, were used as sacrificial animals, and they charge exorbitant prices for sacrificial animals. So Jesus was ch- uh, challenging these ungodly practices, and he urged obedience to God versus convenience. The tradition was you were supposed to bring your own lamb into the temple that you had raised, um, or you know it was raised for that special purpose. And what it ended up happening was the entire temple atmosphere literally become like a shopping mall, like a market. And you had money changers exchanging, uh, you know, for shekels at high prices sometimes. And these were essentially poor people who came into the temple seeking, you know, uh, blessings from God. And in that time, the tradition was you would always um, sacrifice, you know, you would buy an animal for some type of sacrifice or you would give money, right? Right. Um, And you had to get exchange. So two things were going on. The money changers were charging an exorbitant rate sometimes. And as I said earlier, that the poor people couldn't afford, you know, large animals. So they would buy small doves. But the doves in the temple were sold at sometimes 15 times higher price. And the, quote unquote, security who controlled the temples, you know, they wouldn't allow you to bring in your own animals from outside. So it was essentially a monopoly market that was being run. So just think about that. The temple was literally an area for profit making and commerce. You make money off poor people by charging them a 15, 10 to 15 times higher price for the uh, animals that you were selling. And you made sure that they couldn't bring in their own stuff. Okay. So that the the environment had become essentially a commercial environment. I hope that makes sense. Okay. Uh, So. uh, uh, So the. uh, So the important thing to understand is that the 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 verses in the Bible, when you look across um, John and Mark and Luke and Matthew. What's interesting is um, some people have that one of the biggest controversies that occurs is was there this one cleansing that took place or were there many cleansings? Meaning, that, did Christ was this part of his thing that he did or is that only one occurrence? So, this is quite interesting because um, it appears that Christ. Uh, was extremely against this type of hypocrisy, and this wasn't his first occasion. So there's some very interesting scholarly work done on this, and I want to point to that. And and again, I encourage everyone to go do their own research. But again, the purpose is to reflect on this set of events. So now, at a high level, Jesus was against these practices. As I mentioned, money changing in the temple, charging exorbitant prices um, to poor for sacrificial animals. but. In the temple of Jerusalem, he angered and challenged the high priest, uh, Caiaphas, um, whose family was in charge of money changing in the temple. And he threatened Caiaphas's family's financial holdings. Because remember, when this was at Passover, Passover is a very important day, right? Because the number sometimes say 300 to 400,000 people would show up a massive number of people. So you have a lot of quote unquote business occurring for the Caiaphas family. So if Christ is going in there and turning over tables and knocking things down, he's essentially creating a ruckus uh, against, which would be a, of, of a financial uh, threat to the family Caiaphas. So uh, so this was clearly a threat to that family. And uh, you'll find out what occurs shortly. But uh, he angered and challenged the high priest, and it was a threat to them. Now, so the question is and it took me a while to really understand this and i again i encourage people to explore this again today's really a day to reflect on this the question has been was that because when people start looking at the calendar leading up to the crucifixion the resurrection people were unsure because it looks like there may have been not just one time when christ did this but multiple occasions but the one of the uh, consensus that appears there was at least two occasions when Christ did this, not only one occasion. So this took me a little while to understand this because it was a little bit of confusing when I was trying to put together the timeline and you'll see it. But there's a general understanding that there was two events. So how does this first come? So first of all, John, um, many scholars uh, believe that when he was writing his version, that was actually referring to the first time, the first time Christ cleansed the temple, because remember, John I knew him for the earliest days of ministry the first time that christ actually went to the temple for the first passover and the the way you're able to resolve this uh the scholar says when um uh, the first time was when jesus immediately um was confronted by the temple officials so apparently when this first happened jesus was immediately con- confronted by the te- temple officials in john's uh, teaching uh, and that's uh, there's not a mention of that confrontation immediately, Matthew Mark or Luke. Um, Jesus also made a whip of cords and then drove out the money changers. Well, the Synoptics, meaning Matthew, Mark or Luke, do not mention a whip at all. Uh, and you know Jesus said, take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Now in the synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark and Luke, they're they're referring, apparently to scholars, by scholars to the second cleansing. And this is when Jesus began to teach those who are in the temple. Uh, and in that example, after he knocked over everything, he also healed the blind and the lame that came to him. And for example, it's written in Mark, Luke, it said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of fees. So the, the similar message, but the words were different. So the distinction, oops, people make is. let me go back to this. I don't think I show this to everyone. The distinction people make is that in in the first cleansing, there's no mention of the whip, um, which is the one that John's referring to. And in the second one, they're referring to Christ actually healing people after. So John never talks about after the events of knocking over uh, the tables and, and attacking the money changers that Christ ever healed anyone. But he does talk about the whip in the version that Mark Matthew and Luke talk about, there's uh, a clear, um, you know, reference to the fact that uh, uh, Christ actually healed people after the end of those events. So the, this contradiction, people have been talking about, it, there was two. So, so when you, when we uh, break this down, one of the things that, it, uh, that, that comes out is a following. So uh, in the first cleansing, the scholars now believe this was the first Passover, okay? And the first Passover, and, and this was when the synoptics skip early days of Jesus' ministry. So John focuses on the early days. John was one of Jesus' earliest disciples. And John followed Jesus to Jerusalem for the first Passover. And so that's where he cleanses the temple for the first time. So when John refers to this in um, in, in these verses, he's referring to the first Passover, Passover. All right. So he's not referring to the to the Passover that um, that the that the uh, synoptics refer to. What's also interesting is we start getting an understanding of the difference between the uh, uh, position of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, The sa- uh, because in the first uh, cleansing, Christ really upset the, the Sadducees. So, everyone hated um, uh, the temple's corruption. Uh, and this was Christ's first time he did it during the early part of his ministry during the first Passover. And when Christ whipped them, he became a hero overnight. And after that, every village started inviting Christ to come for him to uh, preach. And at that time, he became also enemy number one of the Sadducees, who were the chief priests. As I mentioned, Caiaphas. And that family's one ran the, essentially the marketplace. Um, and he was destroying their revenue stream at one of their busiest seasons, which is Passover. Now, Annas and Caiaphas were the two high priests of that temple. Annas was the father-in-law of Caiaphas. So this is the political dynamics that was taking place. So, so you have the first cleansing, which took place during the first Passover, if you... Um, believe what the scholars are saying in that first cleansing um, Christ really uh, got for the first time uh, the the high priest Caiaphas got got very upset because they were running this as a business so the Sadducees which were the chief priests of the Jewish religion became very upset with Christ so he became enemy number one to the Sadducees now here's what's interesting it's almost if you look at from a business perspective the enemies or the competitors of the Sadducees were the Pharisees. Okay, so if you think about it, territory from a territory standpoint, the main temple right in Jerusalem was controlled by the Sadducees. They were the chief priests, but the smaller temples and the local or the synagogues in the local villages were controlled by the Pharisees, and they had a comp- competition with the Sadducees. So when Christ did this. What's also fascinating to understand is that for the masses, he became a hit overnight, he became a hero because he was willing to actually take action in the temples, you know, the masses were obviously diffident and Christ was not, that was his courage and he was willing to expose their hypocrisy of the Sadducees, Pharisees being competitors to the Sadducees got very excited. So they also started inviting Christ to speak at all the local villages. So overnight, Christ's popularity uh, explosively grew. So that's a very important thing. So initially, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had a competition. They actually embraced Christ in many ways. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So they saw Christ as the enemy of the Sadducees, which he was. So they said, oh, let's uh, uh, you know, embrace this guy because he can actually uh, you know, help us uh, bring more people to our synagogues, which Christ obviously did. So in that interpretation, what you find is that the Pharisees loved Jesus attacking the Sadducees and the Pharisees who controlled. Let me bring this up. The Pharisees um, are the ones who controlled the synagogues and all the local villages. So Jesus's ministry grew exponentially. He associated with the rabble. Right. And huge crowds came to him. So, th- however, what's interesting is the ph- Pharisees became jealous of him and Jesus also started attacking the Pharisees' hypocrisy because Jesus was a man of truth in a very profound way. Uh, Just because people were, you know, giving him access, the Pharisees were opening up the synagogues because they needed Christ to bring in the crowds. But Christ also started attacking their hypocrisy. And Christ was also, you know, saying that even, quote-unquote, sinners could get salvation. This went against the legalism of the Pharisees. And what's fascinating is what you find is, that Christ, you know, was pretty, uh, you know, uh, very clear of, the, uh, of his attack on the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. So for example, he said, you're like dead men's tombs. You clean the outside of the platter, but the other side, the inner side is filthy. You do everything possible to hide the impurity, that crime, and that filthiness from public view. You pretend to be righteous And you you major in that pretense of being righteous, okay? in the pretense of being righteous. So here. So on the one hand, if you follow the the thesis that Christ had already gotten the Sadducees, very upset him, the chief priests of the, the, the Jewish religion, the Pharisees that embraced him because they needed him. He was like their attraction. He became a hero because he stood up to the Sadducees. So they invited him to all the local synagogues. But then he actually starts exposing them because Christ was taking a very different position. He wasn't in the side of the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Romans. He was um, of, of a very different position that he believed anyone could attain uh, salvation. So he would hang out with the quote unquote rabble. And he also believes salvation for quote unquote sinners. So by exposing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and as his popularity grew, the Pharisees also became his enemy. So, Um, that leads to what we call the uh, several years later to the second cleansing, all right? So let's go to that. So the second cleansing is what Mark again refers to, uh, which is the, uh, I believe it's on the third Passover, uh, years after what John refers to. And this is what, as, as we said earlier, Mark refers to, and he says, and they came to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast them out that sold, bought into the temple and overthrew the tables and money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through, etc. So what scholars say is that this is referring to the second time that Jesus uh, did the cleansing. And by the way, there may have been others. There's a whole uh, dis- discourse. If you go read a lot of this, there could have been many, many times Christ was doing this in a very deliberate way to expose the fact that this very deeply spiritual place place had been essentially uh, been destroyed. So what's fascinating here is that Caiaphas was a high priest during Jesus's ministry. He was a son-in-law to Annas, who was a previous high priest. So uh, Annas's son-in-law, Caiaphas, was really running this business in, in Jerusalem. And so when Jesus was arrested, that he was first, it uh, led to Annas first, who is Caiaphas's um, uh, father-in-law. And Caiaphas is the one who charged Jesus with blasphemy. And Caiaphas is the one who sent Jesus away to Pilate. And Caiaphas persecuted Jesus's disciples. So just let's just sort of step back and look at this. So the, the key thing to understand is that it was Jesus during the first cleansing, which was the first Passover, uh, that he had really gotten the Sadducees upset because he had gotten and cleansed the temple and had attacked this money, changing the fact of how they were, you know, extremely charging exorbitant prices for sacrificial animals, taking advantage of the poor. That's the first time. Years later, the third Passover, Christ goes, and again, he may have done it several times, but this time... The same Caiaphas is there, and it is Caiaphas who's the one who uh, initiates the arrest of Jesus. He's the one who, um, you know, sends Jesus to Pilate, All right? Pontius Pilate. So when we look at this, what's interesting to go deeper into this is to actually see, let me bring this up, is the following. What you find is when we look at the timeline, so what I wanted to do is this is all... You know, I've been fascinated by this, as I mentioned, I wanted to see the timeline. So today is Easter Sunday. And what I wanted to understand was, well, when did these events occur? You know, was this like, you know, years before Easter Sunday? When did they actually occur? And this is where um, I want people to reflect on this, because if the first cleansing, the the temple cleansing took uh, three years before the 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 cleansing that we're referring to in Matthew or Luke or Mark, which is called the synoptics gospel, literally took, as we're going to see, about a week before uh, uh, or less than a week before the crucifixion of Christ. And there's a number of scholars who say that that event, the temple cleansing, was the event that triggered Christ's crucifixion. So this is what I find fascinating, because, you know, all the time I've gone to church or all the times I've studied this, I would ask many of the establishment teachers about this, and no one, everyone wants to sort of minimize, I found, and maybe you guys have a different experience. People always want to minimize Christ getting the whip of cords, you know, throwing out the money changers. They want to minimize the whole issue with turning over the, you know, the people are selling the doves. Oh, well, that was just an anomaly of Christ's behavior. That was, you know, that's really not what we should focus on. But the timeline says something very, very different. And that's what I really want us to reflect on. The timeline says something uh, profoundly different that I think it's important to see this. Um, Someone said, uh, this is interesting. Someone said, uh, Jesus is not historical. There's not a single evidence that Jesus really exists. Well, I beg to differ. Um, There's a great book I have here. It's on my, uh, here it is. There's a good book I recommend people read if you're interested. I mean, I have many, many books of Christ. It's called, uh, you know, uh, Jesus, a revolutionary biography. And this is written by a gentleman who is a religious scholar, but he, you know, took a very objective view. He looked at the texts of Joseph- Josephus, Roman letters in the Bible, and he, you know, triangulated and he said, clearly there was a, a being like Christ who existed. And I, and again, all this has occurred many thousands of years ago, but I'm of the position there was uh, a, a Jesus Christ who did exist. So. Um, I beg to differ. And, 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 you know, this this discussion can go on for a long time. Um, So anyway, let's let's go back to this. What I want to discuss here is a timeline. And by the way, again, we could argue until, you know, the end of the universe. But the days here can be off by, let's say, two or three days. Okay, but there is a Palm Sunday. When Christ comes into Jerusalem, and you've seen many of those—if you watch many of those movies, or you've seen, you read the Bible—that's when people are, um, you know, inviting Christ in. Then you had the temple cleansing, which occurs on the Monday, and then you have Tuesday, where, by the way, when the temple cleansing occurred, scholars have said that the immediate, um, you know, the soldiers didn't stop Christ right away because they were afraid there would be an insurrection if they did pe- because people uh, loved Christ. Um, they had great respect for what he was doing because he was standing up against this corruption. So they waited. All right. So that's what's interesting to understand. The, then you have Tuesday, then you have Wednesday. Again, some people argue it was Wednesday or Thursday, but let's, and there's variations on this. I'm going to choose a Wednesday. Um, uh, uh, because there's a number of things that triangulate on this, but this was, when the last supper takes place, this is when Judas betrays Christ. And that's the, the night where he's brought before the high priest, right? That's Caiaphas. And who was Caiaphas? Well, Caiaphas was the person who was the, of the high of the high priest at the temple that Christ had just turned over all the tables. So he's brought before the high priest. And then on Thursday, uh, crucified at 9 a.m., and uh, he's put to death. He dies at 3 p.m. That's Thursday. Good Friday, which we just uh, experienced. He was put in the tomb and Holy Saturday is in the tomb and the resurrection takes place on Sunday. But just look at this timeline. It's pretty rapid. Okay, Palm Sunday occurs here. Monday is a temple cleansing where Christ turns over all those tables, uh, gets Caiaphas upset again. And again, put it in a business perspective. If we just look at it from a purely business perspective in, in this regard, This is occurring during Passover. Passover is when the the Sadducees are expecting to make tons and tons of money, right? They make a lot of money selling these doves. They make a lot of money during the money exchanges. So Christ coming in there and doing this, um, some scholars agree, agree was their last straw. Now, from the first Passover, where where clearly the Sadducees, uh, they made Christ their number one enemy, since that first Passover to this Passover, um, during that period, the Pharisees were supporting Christ, but by this Passover, the one we're talking about here, the second temple cleansing, the Pharisees were also hateful of Christ because he was, quote-unquote, also stealing their, quote-unquote, their business, their followers, because people are coming in throngs, and Christ was also exposing their hypocrisy. So the courage and the greatness of Christ is he did not compromise. He exposed the Sadducees, the high priests. He also started exposing the Pharisees who were embracing him because he was going to bring them followers. So he he exposed both groups. He didn't let up. So by the second temple cleansing, he's got the Sadducees who were hateful of him and also the Pharisees. And what scholars agree is by this point, by the way, remember the Sadducees and the Pharisees are both, Jewish leaders, and Christ was essentially exposing the Jewish establishment of the time. Obviously, the obvious establishment of the time was the Romans, but you have the Jewish elite of the time, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, both who are running these um, operations as businesses, competitors. Initially, the Pharisees embraced Christ because they saw him as an enemy of the Sadducees, right? But then as his popularity grew, their jealousy grew. And also they became hateful of him and they then c- collaborated with the Sadducees. But what's interesting, this timeline, when I was doing this again, I want to emphasize this, is that you see this profound date. Palm Sunday's here. The Monday. Some people say it was Monday. Some people say this temple cleansing occurred on Sunday. But nonetheless, if you use the date, let's say it's one or two days off. Uh, by Wednesday, you have the Last Supper. Judas betrays uh, uh, Christ. You have, he's brought before the high priest, Caiaphas, who is the same person here that Christ essentially uh, was essentially mocking here. And then, you know, he's quickly, within 72 hours, he's being crucified right here. So between between the time of the temple cleansing, one, 72 hours, Christ is being crucified. And Good Friday um, occurs, Holy Saturday in the tomb, and then the resurrection where we are today. So... I really want people to look at this. So, cause my view is that temple cleansing is one of the most important events. in when I look at the Bible and I was really, really disappointed that anytime I would ask many of the, you know, uh, Christian scholars, be it a priest or uh, they always diminished it. And it's taken me a while, especially when I put that timeline together to see that I don't think it's any coincidence just using my rational thinking from the second temple cleansing, the day that he d- does that, 72 hours later, the same high priest whose temple he's essentially exposing the hypocrisy of, he's the one who brings Christ before him and has him arrested, sent to Pontus Pilate. And then after Christ's uh, uh, crucifixion, uh, that same high priest, Caiaphas, goes after all of Christ's disciples. So I think. You know that the temple cleansing is probably and you know if it, next to the resurrection and the crucifixion a very, very uh, important historical point. and I'd like us to reflect on that because there are some very important lessons I believe today because to me the message of Christ and this is a very personal one, was that um, he stood uh, for principles wherever that would take him. and those principles, were uh, the highest principles for truth and for freedom and for health. And even if it meant great sacrifice to him. And that's when you look at that timeline to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, his quote unquote own people, right? The Jewish leaders, he became a serious threat. And in a very material way, he became a threat to them because he was basically uh, exposing that these guys were running a business. They weren't they weren't running the business of god they were running a business enterprise a commercial enterprise you know while posturing that they were these very very de- uh, devout pious people but you can see from this timeline literally which from the from the monday temple cleansing to 3 days later he is basically crucified and i think that's something that we should reflect on because Christ was standing up for principles here in this world as well as the other world. There was no dissonance, in my view, in Christ's principles. And we don't, to me, I don't, you know, I don't see that same, um, you know, uh, resonance in many of the religious leaders today. They say one thing and they do another. Including, you know, wherever, wherever you look, look at this. They say one thing and they do another. And we need to uh, perhaps use this occasion to look at the life of Christ leading up to that temple cleansing day and the immense sacrifice that he took standing up for the poor, standing up for those who had little and seeing the exploitation that they were undergoing by the, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees who were not into, in my view, really the true essence of spirituality they were running businesses, highly profitable businesses. And in the worldly realm, Christ was also threatening their worldly businesses. In addition to leading pe- people to a fundamental truth, which they had probably never embraced or forgotten about. So let me take some questions. Uh, someone says prayer is a type of meditation. Uh, the real Bible is Odyssey and Iliad. Interesting. Um Let's say uh, Jesus had no choice but to give his life, but his life was a testament from God to change. Yeshua was co-opted and his legacy corrupted by Christianity. That's interesting. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, someone said Pope Francis is a fake. Uh, someone says Jesus. Some some people believe Jesus is an archetype. Okay. Um, You guys. All right. Um, let me bring this back up. Someone says someone says the Catholic Church is one of the richest in the world. Um, one of the interesting uh, the demonic spirits are paying a visit. Let's say. Uh, someone says, I am a Jesu. Sonian, not a phony Christian, Jesus was a messenger. Uh, Thank you, happy Easter, Missy Ledesma. Prayer is a type of meditation, okay. Anyway, I uh, wish everyone a happy, uh, Ronald Sanders, you really are the worst troll ever, the term this is a term coined by who's this guy? Ronald Sanders. Let's see this guy. You said something yesterday, which I want you to prove with evidence. Okay. I'm not sure what he wants me to prove. All right. Um, so I think I think one of the most important things is to um, see this in context. I hope this is valuable. I wish everyone a happy Easter. Um, but I think. Um, if anyone has more data on this, I'd like to explore it. One of the questions I have was, uh, was Christ, was there only two events that he did or were there many, many events? And the powers that be have sort of suppressed that, um, that the the notion that Christ was uh, exposing this on multiple occasions. It wasn't just the one occasion, but it was on multiple occasions. So it could be the story that we have as a composite of two different events or multiple events. Let's see if there's any other questions before I sign off. Florence uh, Florence says, um, let's see. Yeah, uh, uh, Florence said that there are many events like these. Someone says, Blessing from Jamaica, great to have you. The modern church has become a business. I think that's probably true. Uh I always learn something from you on Easter. You're welcome. Uh Florence Lungo Schmidt says I love appreciate I love teaching the Bible. Happy Easter. I ho- I hope the trolls repent because hell is not fun. All right. Happy Easter. Uh Interesting. Passover, not Easter. Someone's saying. Someone said your systems work with the Bible. Yeah, look, uh, many of you know that I, you know, I try to find the essence here. But I think the if you want to apply this to what we talk about is that, you know, we want to go beyond this duality of left or right. And I think there's a message there because Christ was going beyond that duality, meaning he didn't see the Romans any different than the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It's quite, and I think that's where he risked his whole life, right? It was obvious the Romans were the obvious establishment. If you wanna look at it today, it's obvious that the Republicans and Democrats are the obvious establishment. But when you start talking about the not so obvious establishment, the people who talk the talk, but don't walk the walk, that's when Christ became dangerous. And I think if if we go back to this presentation I just shared here, I think the most uh, my my important takeaway from this was when um, uh, Christ actually exposed the Pharisees because, look, the Pharisees were absolutely fine with Christ as long as he attacked the Sadducees. But if you if you look at this, this is when he became dangerous to to the real establishment. If you think about the Caiaphas and the Sadducees as part working with the Romans as part of the real establishment hierarchy. The not-so-obvious establishment was the Pharisees. It was obvious the Sadducees were just, you know, making a ton of money all day, all right? But the Pharisees were running the local synagogues, and they embraced Christ initially. They needed him. And this is what we can understand today. The establishment is very clever. Whenever someone, you know, talks a talk, they try to co opt them. They try to bring them in. And I saw this occur if you start looking at many, many different uh, events in Christ's life. They try to co-opt him and that's what the Pharisees try to do. They try to co-opt Christ, bring him in closer, but they didn't realize that he was actually the real thing. Okay. He wasn't just talking the talk. He was going to walk the walk. So when he exposed them right here, he said, you're like dead men's tombs. You clean the outside of the platter, but the other side, the inner side is filthy. You do everything possible to hide that impurity that that grime and that filthiness from public view you pretend to be righteous and you major in that pretense of being righteous so basically there were a bunch of people who were hypocrites right so that's when he became dangerous and that's when both the pharisees not so obvious establishment and the sadducees came together because they don't they want to keep sort of this dualism, All the, Pharise- the Sadducees are the, you know, the chief priests, right? Pharisees were acting like they were part of the people. That's why they brought Christ in. But when Christ exposed them, that's when he became really dangerous. And that's when, you know, he he sacrificed um, his life for truth. So that's really the real message here. And, and the timeline is quite amazing. When you look at the timeline again, um, the timeline literally occurs In a very rapid session, I'll I'll just leave everyone this as I sign off here. I think this timeline is what we can reflect on. You have the resurrection, and literally less than seven days before, or the crucifixion, less than four days is when he had gone into that temple and he had done the second temple cleansing, if you believe there were two, or if you want to consider that one. But that's when he really exposed the Sadducees, and that's when the Sadducees, the Romans, and the Pharisees all came down on them hard. They could not have uh, (laughs) truth uh, at this level, right? It was too threatening to them. Okay, everyone. Happy Easter. I wish you well. Um, Thank you. Be well. Thank you.